Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Oh, I've heard a thousand stories of what they think you're like, but I the tender whisper of love in the dead of night and you tell And welcome to the podcast this week. We are so glad that you are tuning in to Impact Ministries podcast. And we are hopefully we have got most of our audio issues and troubles straightened out and we can start bringing the podcast to you on a more regular basis we're trying to do a daily if not three or four times a week schedule to uh, kind of keep you updated and keep things abreast of the podcast and keep new material uh, always on it and we do appreciate all our listeners from around the world uh, it's such a great honor to have paris france and uh, some of the other cities in paris that are listening australia India, um, Canada, Mexico, and different places. We are just so humbled to have you join in, and we hope that you take your Bibles and you study along with us. Don't always take our word for what we're saying, and we believe in a full gospel ministry. We believe that if it's in that Bible, that uh, it's for today. It's for each and every one of us. And we all are human. We all struggle. We all make mistakes. We all have our high points and our low points. We all have our easy times and our tough times. And uh, this last two weeks have been very challenging. And so that usually tells you one or two things. One, you can give in to the devil. And you can quit. You can pack your bags and, and say, I'm done. Or you can take it for what it is. It's a sign that you're on the right track. The devil would not fight you if you wasn't doing his kingdom harm. And that's kind of the thought I want to leave you. If you're struggling, you have problems, and the devil seems to be always on your back harassing you, that means you're in his doorstep. You're knocking on his door. You're taking souls away from his kingdom, and he's trying to sidetrack you and slow you down and ruin your ministry and make you a laughing stock or a hypocrite. And, and those are things where you've got to understand when you're teaching the word or you're ministering to people that you don't come across as a perfect individual or somebody that doesn't care because we all are human we all are flesh and blood and flesh and blood makes mistakes and flesh and blood sins and flesh and blood is no better off than the next one because the bible said if god would not have left us the seed we would all be a sodom and i'm going to share that scripture with you here in just a few minutes And I want to talk just a little bit about the meaning of that. Because you never hear scriptures like that mentioned. It is an interesting point. Uh, 
hold on one second. It's a very interesting point uh, that we look at that scripture, that we try to find out the actual, you know, what did he mean? Well, number one, there's a couple of things. He left us a perfect seed in Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to look at something. Um, I want you to look at something just, just real briefly with me while I'm trying to get this notes and stuff pulled up. Uh, when Jesus was on this earth, he was the seed of, come from God Almighty. He was virgin born. He was the seed from the Son of God, from God Almighty. He was on this earth to prove that you can live above sin. Now, if you have a coin, most of you do, any kind of coin. You don't have to be an American coin, but I have a quarter in my hand. A lot of times when you're trying to make decisions or you're with a friend, they used to say, you know, we'll flip you for it. And, you know, heads represented one side of the story, tails represented the other side. And, of course, on the American quarter, you have a eagle on one side and a head of a president on the other side. And that means there's two sides to that coin. There's a heads and there's a tails. In life, you have two sides. You have a up and a down, a left and a right, a true and a false a right and a wrong. Everywhere you go, there's opposite. Everywhere you go, there's things that are different. Why is that? Because there was God that created the world and there was Satan that wanted to be like God that wants to ruin the world. He is the opposite of God. And he wants to do everything he can to destroy it. Well, if God is pure... The devil would be perverse. Alright, now I want you to think about that a minute. If God is pure, the devil is perverse. If God wants a pure and righteous lifestyle, the devil is going to try to make it perverted. If God said there was Adam and Eve in the garden, the devil wants to say it was Adam and Steve. He wants to pervert what God has done because in his mind he actually thinks he can fight God and win and he's that deceived so this Bible has a scripture in it that no one talks about it's in Isaiah chapter 1 verse 9 except the Lord of hosts had left us unto us a very small remnant we should be in as Sodom and we should have been like unto Gomorrah. Now if you read the Amplified, it says, Except the Lord of hosts had left us a very small remnant of survivors. We should have been like Sodom, and we should be like Gomorrah. The doctrine of the remnant, the doctrine of the remnant always refers to Judah and the other tribes of Israel, never to the Gentiles or the church. It teaches that God is obligated to save a remnant of all Israel so as to preserve their line to eventually fulfill them, fulfill with them the covenants made with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and David. God promised an eternal line to these men. 
and he promised their descendants an eternal land. God often predicted that deliverance and preservation of a remnant of the 13th tribe and their final and external restoration under their Messiah. According to Isaiah, prediction that a very small remnant would be saved in the coming destruction of Judea and Jerusalem, otherwise Israel would have been totally destroyed like Sodom and Gomorrah. Who was that seed? Who was that remnant? Well, it was Jesus Christ. And he left us that seed, his seed, and Jesus made the difference. Jesus turned the tide, and Jesus paid price. You see, everybody on this earth, if we get away from God and keep getting away from God, we're going to turn out like the opposite side of the coin. Because there's only two masters. There's right and there's wrong. There's God and there's the devil. You can only serve two masters. And you, some of you sitting there listening may say, well, I'm not serving anyone. Well, that means you're serving the devil because there's only two sides. If you're not serving God, you're serving the devil. Self is flesh. And flesh was crucified. The Lord bought you and I. If we're going to have eternal life, he bought you and I with a price. Before we can get to his kingdom, sin has to have been paid for. Sin has to be removed. That means you start to live a pure and holy life. When you don't, you're the other side of that coin. And the devil's job is to destroy you. You know in the Bible that says Satan was lord of the dung hill. The outhouse. The dung hill. His job is to take you lower than low. And then humiliate you and destroy you. That, that's his job. He hates you. Don't think for a second he likes you. He hates you. The Bible also says if you don't believe in God or you don't believe in Jesus, there's one coming that you will believe in. And friends, I'm here to tell you this is serious, serious business. Here lately we have been on the topic and on the discussion of an intoxicated Christian. And it has blown people's mind. They don't understand that terminology. Intoxication just merely means under the influence. You're under the influence of toxins, something foreign to your body that takes control of your body, where you are no longer in control. If you're intoxicated with alcohol, you're consumed or controlled by that alcohol, and your influence or your decisions are made based on the influence of a toxins in your system. So if we claim to be Christians, we should be intoxicated or under the influence of the Bible, the Word of God. That should be what has consumed us to where we walk like a Christian, we talk like a Christian, and we act like a Christian. But friends, nowadays in this generation, the word Christian is just to uh, basically list or categorize certain people's beliefs. Because you have the Judeo-Christians, and you have the Muslims, and you have the Hindus, and you have the Buddhists, and you have the Scientologists. You have all these other religions, and Christians was just thrown in there to dis distinguish from other religions. And I think it's more than just being thrown in there, because Christianity is the only religion on the face of this planet that their God still is alive. They're the only religion 
on this planet that their God fights for you. Their God paid the price for your wrongdoing. Christianity is the only one that its Lord paid your price. And you see, Jesus loves you enough that he done that. So when you use the word Christian and you're being a Christian, that word means to be Christ-like. I hear many people say, well, once I got saved when I was eight years old, there's nothing I can do. Once you get saved, you're always saved. You'll never lose your salvation, and that is garbage. The Bible doesn't teach that. I would challenge anybody that is listening to this podcast to prove the Bible teaches that. It does not. And and just to, real quickly, to show, I'm just going to pick one. I could pick several, but I want to pick one scripture that if you've, if you've heard somebody teach you this, have them explain. Have them explain this scripture. Okay? Because they can't do it. Because a lot of people say, well, we don't listen. We won't read nothing but what's in the New Testament. The Old Testament went away. That's okay, so we'll take a New Testament scripture. I want you to turn to the book of James. And I actually had this happen. I had four Christians from a different denomination, which I won't name, corner me up and was making fun of me all day long about my belief in God and and the ability or the capability of losing your salvation. And they were making fun of me and telling me how stupid it was, how silly it was. And they would play games with me and Oh, I've lost my keys. Oh, have you seen my keys? Oh, that's like my salvation. Oh, here it is. I got saved again. I found them. And I laughed. You know, I took it I took it on the chin. It was kind of starting to aggravate me a little bit, but they were having their good time. And I didn't know anything about this scripture, and I called my dad and talked to him, and he said, well, get them in a room and set them down and ask them just to explain this scripture. It's there. It's in the Bible. When I read it to them, they got up and walked away mad at me. But they couldn't explain it, not one person. And I thought, well, why did God put it in the Bible? He put every scripture in this Bible for a reason. For us to learn from it. To read it. To understand it. You can go back and we're going to talk a little bit more. I I, I want to go back and I want to read James chapter 5, verse 12. To get to where I'm going. But above all things, my brethren, swear not, neither by heaven, neither by earth, neither by any other oath, but let that your yea be yea and your nay be nay, lest ye fall into condemnation. Verse 13, Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him, with oil in the name of the Lord, and the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up, and if he has committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Verse 16, Confess your faults one to another, and pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are, 
And he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. And it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. And then, here's where I want to talk. Brethren. So who's he talking to? Well, it says brethren, so must be the Christian brothers he's talking to. Brethren, if any of you do error from the truth, and one convert him. Now, talk, now listen to what he's saying. Brethren, that's the Christian brother. If you do error from the truth, and one convert him. So not only was he erred from the truth, but now you have to convert him. Now here's what he says in verse 20. Let him know that he which converteth the sinner. So you was a brethren that erred from the truth. God just called you a sinner. And he that converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death. Wow. So he says, brethren, if you do error from the truth, then you become a sinner and your soul is worthy of death. But the one that converteth him saved that and hid a multitude of their sins. No one ever talks about that scripture. Now I want to read it in the Amplified and then I'm going to read in... Uh, oh, wait a minute, let me go back. I'm going to read it in the Amplified and then I'm going to read it in Brother Dake's notes. So let me... Let me get right here, James. No, 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 no. Okay, here we go. It's James 5, verse 19. My brethren, if any one among you strays from the truth and fails into error, and another person bring him back to God, let the latter one be sure that whoever turns a sinner from his evil course will save that one soul from death and will overcome a multitude of sins. Procure the pardon of the many sins committed by the converter. So it is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today. To, has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. To you as a brethren... And you can lose your salvation. But see, they couldn't explain that. They had no answer for that. They couldn't explain what did he mean by that. And in verse 19, if you look at if you if you have a Dake's annotated Bible, I, I encourage you, if you don't have one, get one. And try to get the oldest ones, you know, around the 60s and 70s. Those are the copyrighted that were in that era was, was a lot better when 
Brother Dake was actually alive and teaching now that things have changed as he, his family has taken over. Kind of slightly changed a few things in it. But the best ones are the older ones. But verse, the note he has on verse 19. Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth, there are seven facts about backsliders. So he's talking if a brother errs from the truth, he's considered to be a backslider. Number one. It is possible for brethren or Christians to err from the truth and become unconverted. That's in verse 19, but it's also found in Luke 22, 32. In case you want to write these scriptures down. Now in Luke 22, 32 it says, But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not, and when thou art converted, strengthen the brethren. So he prays that your faith not fail. But if it does, can strengthen the brethren. How do we strengthen the brother by sharing with them how you was backslid and how you came back? And it helps the brethren be strong and not to fall in the trap. An erring Christian can be converted again. So he says an erring Christian can be converted again. That's in James five nineteen through twenty, as well as Luke. 22 through 32, like we just read. And erring Christian becomes a sinner again if he sins. That's in Romans 6, 14 through 23, as well as James 5, chapter 20. Now, Romans 6, 14 through 23 says, For sin shall not have dominion over you, because you are under the law. You're not under the law, but under grace. What then shall we say? I'm sorry, you have to bear with me. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. What then shall we sin, because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid, means absolutely not. Know ye not, to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are. So a Christian does not need to yield himself to sin, or to the uh, temptations of the world. Know ye not to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey. Remember, there's only two masters. You're either going to be the servant to God or the servant to the devil. His servants you are to whom you obey, whether it's a sin unto death or obedience unto righteousness. Verse 17, But God be thanked that you were the servants of sin, but you have obeyed from the heart that formed the doctrine which was delivered you. Being then made free from sin, you become the servants of righteousness. So you're not a servant of righteousness or of God until you're free from sin. Whether that's willful practicing sin. You cannot be a Christian and willfully practice sin. Verse 19, I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your member servants to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your member servants to righteousness unto holiness. Whatever effort you put in to obeying sin and being a part of sin, put that same effort into serving the Lord. Verse 20, For when ye were the servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness. What fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. If you sow to the 
angel of the world weep reap corruption if you sow to the flesh you will of the flesh reap corruption because there is a price that has to be paid for all sin and God judges sin where he finds it so that's why when you see people that smoke they come down with lung cancer they are defiling the temple they are sowing the seed and they are uh, basically uh, sowing the fruit so they're getting judged for that just like I uh, dipped tobacco for 30 I think it's 32 years and I had tooth loss and I had bone decay and a dream that my father had that I came down with cancer in the mouth and those things thank God almighty that he gave me the grace to stop and keep that from happening but I was on that track I was on that trail and I will share that with y'all at one point in time but Today I want to go somewhere different. I'm not. I just used that, but it's people that heavy drinkers get cirrhosis of the liver. Um, people that do drugs uh, will have in uh, have issues with different parts of the body or different cancers or different forms of of things going wrong with whatever you do. There's going to be issues, okay? And that's what God's saying. And you know, even with the harlot, the woman that sleeping around a lot, he made her thighs rot. He judges sin where he finds it. So you and I can know that's what happened. Okay? What fruit have we then in those things that have not ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you be made free from sin and become servants to God, you have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. That's God's gift providing you're not willfully practicing sin. Number four on that list, an erring Christian incurs the death penalty again when he sins, and that's in Galatians 5.20, Ezekiel 18.24, Romans 8.12-13, and Galatians 5.19-21. And we will uh, get into those as well as the weeks go on because it's going to be extremely uh, good that we get to those verses so you can see um, what God is talking about. And if you're not familiar with Galatians 5:19 through 21, I encourage you to do so because it's going to be an eye-opener. But me and you'll, you'll hear me and Shad talk about these from quite, quite a bit. And these are works of the flesh, is where Galatians 5.19 is. It talks about works of the flesh, which are willful sins practicing in your fleshly body. And those are adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, rastrife, seditions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of which I tell you before, as I have told you in time past, they that do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. If you willfully practice these things, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. And so many people don't know what those words are, and they don't take time to look them up, so therefore they don't feel condemned for doing those things. But I will get into those at another date, and we will explain what each one of them is. But I encourage you to do that if you haven't already. 
verse or point number five. If the erring Christian is saved from his error, the soul will be saved again from death. That's in James 5 and 20, 1 John 1 9, and Revelations 2, verse 5. Number seven was if he does not repent, he will be lost and will have to pay the penalty for sin. And that is Romans six fourteen through twenty three, Second Timothy two twelve, Ezekiel eighteen twenty four, Hebrews six four through six. Hebrews ten twenty six through twenty nine and Second Peter two twenty through twenty one. And friends, I didn't want to even go down that route, but for whatever reason, we did. And and uh, if you run across your friends that tell you, well, you can't never lose your salvation, share that scripture with them and squ- share some of those scriptures and those notes with them. So yes, you can. But now they'll, what they, I guess what a lot of them will try to say is, well, then if you're doing those things, you weren't truly saved. And there's that side of the question as well. But I want to talk about these intoxicated Christians. When you're friends with the world, you're an enemy with God. And what do we mean when we say friends with the world? It, it's, it's not wrong to do things of the world. If you go to ball games or or. You like the outdoors or shopping venues or whatever it is. Whatever it is that we do. There's nothing wrong with that. But there is wrong with it when it becomes something you do more than you do for God. For example, if I don't go to church to go to a ball game and I paint my face up and I'm out there in this weather and I'm yelling and screaming and cheering for my team, but I won't even witness for the Lord and I don't even talk about the Lord, then that was putting that game before God. And that's where the problem lies. You see, when you are friends with the world, the Bible says you're his enemy. Why? Because Satan is the king or God of the world. Satan rules the world. He rules the fleshly man. He rules the world. He has that authority that is what he does. So therefore, if you're doing things in the flesh, you're giving wish worship to Satan. And you really don't even know you're doing it. Well, that's how God sees it. James 4, verse 4. Ye adulterers and adulteresses. Now listen at what he's saying. Know ye not that friendship of the world is enemy with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. He calls you an adulteress and adulteresses. Why? Because when you become a Christian, you are married to the Lord. It's a marriage-type relationship where you become one with God. And if you're out being friends with the world, which is his enemy, if you're buddying up with his enemy, he sees you as having an affair on him, and we'll get to these notes in just a second because they're amazing. And I guarantee you, you've never heard this stuff before, but it's been in the Bible ever since the Bible's been wrote. Nobody's made this new. It's in every King James version you'll find. These scriptures are there, and if you have a Dakes, like I said, annotated Bible, it's King James Bible with 
study notes in it, kind of like Schofield and different ones, but this is Brother Dakes. And, and it basically takes the Greek and Hebrew words and puts them in there. And you also have the Vines and, and um, uh, Strong's words in there as well. So you can't, it's like having four books into one. But the Amplified says, You are like unfaithful wise, having illicit love affairs with the world and breaking your marriage vow to God. Do you not know that being the the world's friend is being God's enemy? So whoever chooses to be a friend of the world takes his stand as an enemy of God. Now that should scare every one of us that's out there. If you are a friends of the world, if you enjoy doing everything the world does, but you enjoy doing nothing that the Lord has, you're a friend with the world. If you skip church to go do worldly things and worldly events, you're a lover of the world instead of a lover of the Lord. Or he also words it, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. If I enjoy fishing more than I enjoy studying the word, then I enjoy fishing more than I enjoy God. It's that simple. And that's where the problem lies because anything you put before God is considered an idol. And an idol is considered idolatry or idol worship. These are interesting things that this is the way God sees things. And so many times we'll get into a a study at some point on the God that doesn't exist. You can create a God in your mind that you think he is, but that God don't exist. There's one true God, and the Bible describes who that God is. And if you're not serving that God, then the God that you think you're serving, that's the one that don't exist, and you're far deceived as if you keep following down that road. I'm sure this has raised a lot of red flags to a lot of people, my job, and, and I'm not here to create those problems. I'm not here to cause conflict. I'm not here to cause strife or division. What I am here, though, is to help you see we need to see ourselves as God sees us. This intoxicated Christian study can go deep, and it can open a lot of people's eyes if they just look and say, What am I being influenced by? What is influencing me? Am I being influenced by this world? Am I being influenced by the issues and the things of this world? Am I letting Satan in the back door? Am I looking at things where I should be looking at things of God? Am I letting the world creep in little by little by little and taking my eyes off the prize? Well, if you are, friends, we've all been there. If you're living and breathing, you have been there before. Sometimes we get out of church for whatever reason, whether it be we miss a service here or miss a service there. Before we know it, two or three or four services have gone by and we find ourselves not wanting to go back, not yearning to get back in the house of God. There's where the problem lies, my friend. We need to check ourselves before we wreck ourselves. We need to look and see, am I where I need to be doing what I was called to do. Friends, I pray that you take that time and talk to the Lord today. That you spend time with the Lord every single day because He is a good, good Father. He cares about you so much that He sent His only Son to die on the cross for you and I. 
Friends, I hope and pray that you continue to listen to the podcast, share it with friends and family. If you have questions, don't hesitate to call, or I'm sorry, don't hesitate to email. I forgot we're not live. Don't hesitate to email at impactministries2016 at gmail.com. I will respond. I will get back to you. Impact Ministries, I-M-P-A-C-T-M-I-N-I-S-T-R-I-E-S, 2016 at gmail.com. It's that simple. It was started in 2016, and it is all over the world now. We are so humbled at the growth. We're so excited to see what God has in store. Until next time, friend, lift that head up. Jesus may come today.